0: Welcome to Fans of the Genre 25 for May 1st, 2017. I'm Brian Swanson.
1: I be Mikey Krieger.
0: And I'm Rocky Rhodes Clark. This week we're talking about the games we played at a Drink and Draw event in Portland like Tacoma, as well as Kimiko, What Remains of Edith Finch, and Telltale's The Walking Dead Season 3, Episode 4, Thicker Than Water. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to apologize for the short episode last week. Mikey lost his audio in the latter half, and I had to splice together. So it made it seem like just Brian and I were talking. Um, but hopefully, we figured out our issues this week, and uh, it'll be a good, good EP. Just throw Mikey um, under the bus, why don't you?
1: I, I have lots of issues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but we're here now, and it's fine. But um, you guys went to it's fine. you guys went to Portland. Portland, yeah. yeah. um (laughs) so so there was a uh portland indie game squad drink and draw event right and they had a bunch of games to play and you played them
2: yeah and things to draw and things to drink cool and lots of popcorn and caramel corn oh my Um, gosh
1: yeah they had bacon flavored popcorn
2: that sounds that was that sounds like straight out of 2013 um yeah so when we went there uh we drove down to portland and we went to this like uh, in the evening and getting there, it was, like, arriving at, uh, I think what Mikey said, like, a PAX party uh, oh, cool. at the Penny Arcade Expo um, convention in Seattle, but, um, there were a lot of after parties after the event, and this, I guess, seemed just like one of them. Uh, it was a pretty large, uh, two-story venue where there were, how many computers set up? Maybe, like, 15 or so? Yeah. 13 to 15, like, That's right. like, Games just set up with the developers there, available for people to play, and a bar off to the side, and a bunch of snack arinos. (laughs) And it was really cool. Games like Tacoma were there by uh, Fulbright, the creators of Gone Home. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, other than that, a lot of indie games I'd never heard of. What about you, Mikey?
1: Yeah, no, it it was basically just people who live in Portland and make video games. Like, one of them was like an 18 year old. like high school student who uh he was actually really cool I, uh, I hate that i'm forgetting the name of his game but he made this like very earthbound game and uh it's designed to be played with a gamecube controller oh weird like, yeah like brian was saying that he was talking to him and he's like yeah like i put in things that like uh a lot of like serious like smash bros melee uh players will understand like you can actually like wave dash in the game which yeah is a, like advanced technique in smash bros to like move faster so you can like just like skate across the map at like super high speeds if you know now i have a question is
0: wave dashing the same thing as holding down a trigger and then moving the analog stick left or right really quickly
1: it's a like that's a very uh rudimentary way of putting it but basically yeah
0: oh okay because all right anyway cool that sounds like a really cool game i love when when people who grew up with like I don't know. So we're seeing a lot of games now where people who grew up with the NES and the SNES, they're, they're making games and they're deliberately hearkening to a certain era, you know, and then younger people who grew up playing melee, once they start making games might incorporate some of those, uh, mechanics and systems. It sounds really, really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, there's a lot of cool things. And there are a lot of, uh, games that are kind of just like, um, just like a really like interesting concept. Um, it's like a built around like a very like quick play. Like one of the games that I played that I was actually like really drawn to um, it's called Karamari. Um, mm-hmm. It's this kind of beautifully like hand drawn, like cartoon city where like you are a octopus policeman and you are Kalamari. like, yeah. And and you are uh, like, you're a, a traffic cop and you're like guiding traffic and cars to come through. Um, and after like my third time playing it, like, I think I was like a minute, like 15 seconds was how long I lasted in that round. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the developer walked, or the, the artist of the game walked up and she was like, like, holy shit, that's a really good time. Like I made the game and my highest times, like a minute 30. Damn. I was like, Oh, like I, I thought I was like, Oh, I did better than my other times, but i like, this game is just very hard. And it's like, no, it's, it's just, it's kind of like really cute, really quick.
0: Mikey Krieger, I did. good at video games.
1: Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I, gosh, I put a guitar in a toilet in Tacoma. That okay, was fun.
0: yeah. Did anyone tell um, you not to?
1: Um, Steve Gaynor was right behind me talking to Brian, and yeah. I was just expecting him to be like, that doesn't go there. Yeah. Stop, stop ruining my game with your toilets, your toilet <laughs> jokes.
0: <laughs> hey, you he made the toilet. You can put a, a guitar in it. So. Yeah,
2: that's
1: emergent storytelling.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's pretty funny. I was talking with Steve Gaynor about hand animations and looked over at my shoulder. Or looked over, yeah, looked over at Mikey and he was just uh, putting a guitar in a toilet. Oh, perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, love, was... uh, I don't know. This is so obvious to anyone that's been like following indie games for a while, but we're just sort of getting started with some of this stuff. At least I am. Indie game developers just make themselves more available. And it's just cool that they're, to like, hang out and talk to people and learn more about their stuff and I don't know sounds like a really cool event um,
1: yeah it, you... it was awesome like like we said it was mostly like a lot of like very very independent artists like Fulbright and Tacoma were probably like, the they're, they're, they're like Fulbright's one of like, the, the sponsors of ah. the pig squad the portland Portland indie game squad um, mm-hmm. so like they have a very active presence and all that um, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's a lot of really cool games that are made in Portland. Um, yeah, and you know, it, it like it might be that it's like, oh yeah, like they might have like put out a game a little while ago and they don't have anything to show or something. But um, what was there was a lot of very small stuff. But that, that's honestly part of the fun. Like at PAX every year, the uh, indie mega booth is the funnest part of the show. Like, um, I played Solitarica there, mm-hmm. and then Again, like four or five. Months, really cool. Yeah, yeah, like four or five months later, then like. Everybody's talking about Solitarica, because I think that's yeah. when it went on Steam, but uh I was like, Oh yeah, like I've I've already played dozens and dozens of hours of that game. Like sure fucking red. Um so you know, who knows? Like one of these games might actually be like super popular. Like uh sure. Barton and I uh, we play this cooperative like action platformer called uh Resplease. Okay. Um, where like the idea is that like you will die and um but in doing so you will like create a path that advance that the other player can advance through and then they can resurrect you um mm-hmm. like there's a spike pit that you need to cross um and you need somebody to jump into the spike pit uh, so they can jump on your corpse and then over across it and then they can resurrect you and you move on um like that's something that the like guy said was pretty early in development but like that's something that I could see just like kind of popping off whenever that comes out so sure.
2: Yeah. yeah um, like, you, you could really see the ideas coming out in it. But uh, for just now, it was pretty rudimentary in some of the puzzles, but very cool. Look, It looks something very similar to Spelunky meets Brothers. Oh, word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's how he described it. It's like, yeah, it's kind
2: of like Spelunky meets
1: Brothers. And like Spelunky in the aesthetic is very apparent. Um, and yeah, like the, the kind of like cooperative nature is definitely kind of evocative of, of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, if, if you're curious to see any of the. Um, what this event looked like, you can check out the uh, Design Week Portland Flickr account. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes this week. Yeah. Um, and just kind of take a look through. It was a really cool event. I love venues like that that have a bunch of supernatural lighting coming in through all those yeah. windows. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Also, it was a free event. So. Yeah,
0: which is rad. I was expecting it to be like more uh, crowded. Um, but
1: there was like f- pretty good. 450 people. They said.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Never mind Yeah. Uh, like, um, and
1: it, it wasn't like super crowded, but, um, yeah, they had a, there was a good amount of people in there, and, like, and never really any weight for a game either. Like, yeah. Like, it, it was really cool. People moved in and out quickly. People weren't like trying to like crowd around a certain thing. And, um, part of that might be like the lack of like a quote unquote star power, but, um, no, it, it was really cool. Like, I played a really cool iOS. Um, it re- reminded me a little bit of, uh, Crypt of the NecroDancer just in like oh, cool. the, the way it's kind of presented but it's just like a very small like grid map where like it's a turn-based dungeon crawler um like it's called Plunge and it's like got this kind of like little grim aesthetic but it's like really cute and like it moves quick uh, moves quick and is really snappy and uh gosh yeah it was that that game was super cool i just like i forgot about it until just now but um yeah, like th- th- there's there's so much cool things there, and like I, yeah, yeah I, I had a lot of fun. a lot of fun.
0: I can't wait till the three of us can go to an event like this together and start pimping the yeah. uh, pimping the brand. Yeah. You know, cool. I cool. uh, I played a new game called What Remains of Edith Finch. Um, it's a game published by Annapurna, which is like a a really cool horror film production studio. Um, but they also have a interactive division now.
1: Yeah, they, they're they the ones who put out uh, Get Out, right? Oh, really? I
0: think so. I They put out like every, all the good horror movies that you've seen in the last couple of years are probably had something to do with Annapurna. Um, but uh, Edith Finch, as I will be calling it from here on out, uh, <laughs> instead of the full title, um, was developed by a group called Giant Sparrow. And they most recently put out... Um, the Unfinished Swan, maybe three years ago. And uh, Edith Finch is like... You You play as the titular Edith Finch returning to her home after ten years of not being there. And the reasons why you left are a total mystery, but you're there to kind of discover more about your own family. Um, so you, you walk through an abandoned house, and it, it looks kind of like makeshift and just sort of slapped together. Um, it's like a house on top of a hill that's like got more rooms stacked on top of one another, kind of creating this very Tim Burton-esque uh, look. Um, but you go from room to room and you read like a, a a diary or you you pick up a piece of paper that has some stuff written on it and you're instantly transported back to that old family member and you learn more about how they died. And a lot of these... Stories are sad. There's like a little bit of humor in them, but they're all—I don't want to say supernatural, but they're all like a little, um, gosh, I don't know, like fantastic. And I mean that in the sense that like it's not like you didn't die realistically. Think like really weird things happen to these people, or they're
1: like it it sounds a lot like Psychonauts to me. Like where in that game, the idea is that you are. Um, like entering people's like psyche in their minds and like the world is kind of shaped around their personalities. Yeah. I would Uh, actually
0: say that's, this is more, this is a more like serious take on that because it deals with uh, like loss and stuff. Um, But it, it delves into um, familial relationships and kind of questions like the reasons why we do things. And I thought it was really, really cool. Um, What I really appreciated was that each little vignette each little character explanation didn't linger for too long. Um, That's good. Like, some of them were only, like, a minute. And then the longest might have been five minutes. And so it oh, ends up like being it. a pretty short game, but, like, it doesn't um, overstay its welcome. <laughs> and and there, there are certain things this game does that I feel like... I hate saying things like this, because I feel like I'm just trying to de- de- defend my... my hobby, you know, but like there are things that this game does that I think only video games can do um, in terms of storytelling and like merging certain mechanics with like the psyches of these individuals. Um, there's one, I'm not going to like spoil the the what of all of this, but there's one where you're, you're doing a very monotonous factory job and it has you moving the thumbstick from left to right and grabbing something and flinging it onto a, a conveyor belt. And you're imagining something like the character is imagining something else, and you're controlling with the other thumbstick, like from a top-down perspective, like yourself in this imagined world. So you're moving from, I don't know. So you're doing two things at once, and like Mm. you know when you're daydreaming at work, the like at the very beginning, it finds you find that you're it's hard to like do the work while also focusing on something else, but after like two minutes the the job part of your of this vignette becomes like muscle memory and you can focus entirely on the imaginated part. So you're like doing this monotonous job, but you're focusing on something else. It it was just really, really cool. And it 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 said a lot to me about um the character that you're whose psyche you're visiting and and I this game's super cool. And there's a lot of like uh there's there's one really, really cool throwback to uh, Unfinished Swan that like totally didn't need to be there, but it's such a treat for people that played that game. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: Which that game is pretty fucking rad. Yeah, Unfinished Swan. cool.
0: Yeah, like, what a cool concept that game was.
1: Like, I, I think it was a bit beneficial that it came out the same year as Journey, but I also like and I kind of feel bad for the game that it came out the same year as Journey because it like it came out like a month or two later, I think. Maybe even a couple just, months
0: like, later, but people are still high on Journey.
1: Yeah. Right. No. And I'm just like, but guys, there's this one too. This other game that like kind of like similarly like just a really beautiful, evocative mm-hmm. indie game. Yeah. That's like very visually striking. Yeah. Um. Like I, I played that game, like Nobody's Business, and I I remember I was trying to get the uh, platinum trophy for it, and the first area of the game, mm-hmm. um, like the mechanic you have is that you th- throw, like the world is just blank white and you need to throw paint to like like find out where the walls are and where paths are and Mm -hmm. uh like there's an achievement for going through there without throwing a single thing of paint nice and i spent spent probably like four hours trying to do it and what's probably like a four hour game
0: yeah and i think uh in the moment i was like super super into it and i'm not sure that like your mileage may vary like i don't think this is for everybody um, some of these stories might not touch you the same way, or you might not be as wowed at like what the game's doing. But I still think it's worth your time because um, it's it's a pretty low investment monetarily and time wise. Yeah. So I would check it out for sure.
2: Is this a PlayStation exclusive?
0: I think it's also on PC. Cool. Someone talked to me about Kamiko. Uh, uh
2: yeah, yeah, it's it's a five dollars Switch game that okay. uh, I primarily bought because I have a Switch and I had two games on it and one and a third. So um, I purchased it and uh, then we left for Portland and uh, upon returning, we were stuck in heavy traffic and Mikey played a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I, I played all of it, actually. I, beat yeah. it. I started and finished it in the drive from Portland to Seattle.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, but I think that speaks to how good the game is because it's like a little over two hours it took me to beat it. Um, so what it is is a two D action game from like a top down perspective. Um, it kind of feels like like Hyperlight Drifter, like light, mm-hmm. and but like that is actually a, a total disservice to what the game is because it's pretty exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are one of three different heroines that uh, like. I think it's like like some kind of like spirit warrior trying to like ward off the evil that's um, taking over this little world. And so you venture through four different levels trying to find these uh, four different pillars that will let you go take off, uh, take on the boss that's like infecting the area. Mm-hmm. And um, all the combat's basically uh, each of the characters have a different weapon like, yeah. one has a sword, one has a bow, and then one has a shield that they throw and then a little dagger that they can use while their shield's in flight. Um, and they all, they all, like, play totally differently and change how, you like, you need to approach the game. And uh, so, you, like, you're working your way through enemies, and then um, there are sections where you need to, like, bring these, like, orbs to these pillars that'll open up a path, or you need to, like, take a key to a door. Mm-hmm. So then you need... And while you're holding that, you, can, you have no, like, offensive uh capabilities like you need to like just like weave your way in and out of enemies and like try to get to this place and um especially mm. in the the later levels that like requires like some like serious planning like you need to like like figure out the path that you need to take you need to clear it out um and like enemies will like respawn there, and they're like okay cleared out these enemies are gone now mm-hmm. um but like you kind of need to learn how to game it because if you take out like like say there's a group of like eight enemies, if you take out like five or six of them, um like they they might not respawn. Like sometimes you need to um like if you leave only one enemy, like they won't respond. Sometimes uh if you leave like three, it it'll still respond. So like you need to kind of figure out how each each area is designed to like make your route easier. Like it's there's a lot of like kind of toying with the game and like, okay, what can I get away with here? And um, yeah. trying to figure out these paths. And like I like I was very like meticulously like in the last uh level, like, okay, I know we need to weave through this area, this area, and this area, like kinda clear this out. Um, you know, like trying to find like alternate paths. Like it, it's it's really cool. It's like like very explorative, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um like it kind it? of feels like if Hyperlight Drifter was like made using kind of like NES capabilities. Sure. Like it's it's a bit prettier than that, but um, yeah, it's it's very simplistic. Like there's only like a couple inputs. There's dodge attack and then your movement. Mm-hmm. Um and like the the boss design is actually like quite exceptional. Um like it it kind of feels a lot like what I wanted Titan Souls to be, like when it comes like the boss battles like like they're they're interesting um and yeah, I I don't know like Titan Souls never really quite gripped me like the way I thought me either. it would. I think it was a little I, too hard. Yeah, and I I don't know mm-hmm. what it was, but like this, it's like the bosses aren't overwhelming. Yeah, but um, they're clever and like once you find out the the path of them or the the patterns of them, like they're they're pretty easy. But it's still like really fun, like discovering those patterns and yeah. figuring out what you, what you need to do. Um, yeah,
2: Brian's so, going yeah, something. Oh, um, I would say what would you what do you think it's, it looks like? To me, it, it 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 looks to me like it's a it's a top down pixelated. Um, Arcadey like f- like fighting game, I guess, or yeah. combat game, but uh, something like something like the two D Zeldas. Yeah, that's what but I keep coming back to. Stylized. I was looking at the
0: trailer and actually watched. I remember now. I watched Giant Bomb play this on Friday. um Yeah, I keep on. I get kind of like a little bit faster Zelda vibes, especially with the the way you slash your sword and some of the the way the items work.
1: Yeah, um, no, with, with the dodging and stuff it feels actually quite a bit like Hyperlight Drifter. Like you don't have the gun or you don't mm-hmm. have you don't have like all these different abilities. You just have your dodge and your attack really. Um but it's it's quick. Um like you have a run button and you like speed across the map. That's cool. Um and so like uh I beat it with each of the three characters and so like the, the first time like it took me like 58 minutes I think to beat all four levels and well, then it took me like 30 minutes to beat huh. it with on my second playthroughs just because like, like I figured out like how to use the run better like I just kept using it as a dodge in my first run because like it doesn't really tell you much mm-hmm. like it kind of just drops you in there um That's So cool. like it it felt like I was like speed running at the second rounds so like it like was a bit empowering in that way um word yeah it, it's it's really cool it's five bucks it's you know two to three hours and it's very very fulfilling um yeah like I spent $15 on Mr. Shifty and that took me about 4 hours and I was just like it felt like I was 80. exhausted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it I've yeah, I was bitching to you guys in our yeah. chat about how long it felt. Um but like yeah, like it, and that's because Mr. Shifty like has one mechanic that's relying on. Mhm. And like Kamiko does so many interesting things and there's a lot of clever level design. There's like hidden paths where you can go and you can get upgrades like like it encourages exploration and Mr. Shifty was just like super linear and um Yeah. Doesn't doesn't really re- require you to think much and Kamiko is challenging that way. And it's like not overwhelmingly so. It's actually like I wouldn't put it in there uh like difficulty wise with like a hyper light drifter or a Titan Souls, but um like the way that you uh, kind of approaches combat and like Yeah, like it's it's just it's just really cool. Like each of the worlds stands out like aesthetically yeah like there's a lot of really sharp and pretty colors in it um yeah i would like it seems like an easy
0: recommendation for just five bucks
1: um oh yeah no it's one of the like not that there's a lot on the switch right now but it's like it's one of those games just like yeah like zelda sniper clips and kamiko like you should have
0: (laughs) do y'all find yourselves um just like buying games you wouldn't normally because you want something to play on switch
1: yeah, uh, I
2: feel the, I feel the, uh, the impulse, but I haven't acted upon it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I bought Shovel Knight and, and, and Cameco and they're both really cool, but, uh, there's a lot of games on there that I I, I could, I could buy and play for three hours and be like, mm-hmm. well, but I haven't done that yet.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I did that with Mr. Shifty. Um, I bought, I am Setsuna at launch. But oh. like that was a game. That was a game that I wanted to play before, yeah. and so I was like, "Oh, here's my opportunity to finally play it." And right. I played it for like an hour, and I was—I wasn't into it. It just—it really, really bummed me out. Like I really wanted like a really good JRPG to play. And I
0: remember reason, reading that me. that felt like Chrono Trigger Light, in in a sense that like, yeah, this feels like old games, but it's—it's it's not as the, that, the story isn't generous. as good.
1: No yeah, that, that, that's very generous.
0: Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, that's but, good to but know because I wanted to check that out.
1: Also, Chrono Trigger's just perfect. Yeah, it's, it's one of those games that you can't lightly mm-hmm. um, compare something to. But.
0: Yeah. Brian, have you played any more of Overwatch Uprising?
2: No, I haven't. Um, I was, Because I was in California, I didn't really get the opportunity to do that. Okay. Um, but I did play some Overwatch last night, and I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm to get the Overwatch skins. <laughs> so that's been pretty cool. Um they recently updated the game to their 2.0 version oh, which Oh cool. Um basically means they've they've remonetized it and added loot boxes and taken a lot of the emphasis away from purchasing heroes uh which is good. Uh they're also giving away 20 free heroes to anyone who uh logs in. So I highly uh, recommend I'm you guys
0: at least logging know. in right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. So you can pick a, out of like one of four packs, mm-hmm. uh, a support, an assassin, a tank, or sort of a flex pack, um, and that just that just influences which 20 heroes you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, and what's really cool is that they contain heroes all the way up to um, the most recent addition. Uh, they don't include Genji, who is the newest hero from Overwatch, um, being put into Heroes of the Storm, but they do have all of the heroes leading up to him. Cool. So it's not like you're buying old hero, or you're getting free old heroes either. They're actually like you know doubling down on that. Yeah. Um, we are. Uh, I'm I'm curious what it, what it means for the longevity of the game, but at the very least, it's a good it's good for us right now. Sure.
1: So, so do you does think your computer that, run? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna ask you if your computer runs hots. Mine.
0: Are, oh, uh, I haven't tried running it, but I I think that I could. Does it let you tweak with the uh, just like the graphics and stuff? Yeah. Uh, I can probably make it run. MOBAs aren't too... Uh, too taxing. taxing? I haven't tried it uh, yet, though.
1: Well, we should try that. We should. Uh. It, like, that, that's the only thing that I think that we can all play. Yeah, Other than, like, Together. Hearthstone. Yeah. Right.
0: I was going to ask, Brian, Um, I think we've talked about it on the show before. I can't remember, though. Are you familiar with, like, Dota and, and LoL as yeah. well? Okay. Um, Do you think that, like, Heroes has a place among those two? Because those two are very, very popular, right? And, yeah. And it's, I, everything I've heard, it feels like Heroes of the Storm is almost like trying to play catch-up.
2: Kind of, I guess. It seems, when you compare them, it, it seems like they're the underdog yeah. because they don't have the the audience or the following. But um, I think at the same time, too, it's, it's it's almost hard because League of Legends is just this behemoth and mm-hmm. Dota is just this technical... Um, I don't know, like just a very technical game and heroes of the storm sort of is to me just seems like a fun, right. Um, arcadey, uh, versions or like, you know, sort of take on those, Mm -hmm. but, uh, very deeply, deeply, uh, steeped in like blizzards games. And so I, I imagine that like, it's almost like the Nintendo, if you were to compare them to consoles, like, uh, Dota and league being like the Sony and the PlayStation. And I think hots almost being like a Nintendo where, um it doesn't take as much of a it doesn't have as much of a commitment to get people into it and uh, it's a good side game, I guess yeah um
0: that's really cool. it's really interesting. It makes me want to play it more especially when you made that comparison. I was curious like um, they're probably making so much bank off of loot boxes and hearthstone uh, and and overwatch and stuff yeah yeah do you think that like for sure and and the like i I'd imagine keeping World of Warcraft operational doesn't cost them much anymore. Um, So, like, having a subscriber base in Warcraft, people playing Hearthstone and Overwatch, I I wonder if they can just sort of sustain Heroes of the Storm for as long as they need to uh, because they can, you know? And maybe... I I, I don't know.
2: I think Blizzard is a really... uh, uh, I just think that they're very aware of like what it takes to run a game and what it takes for a project to stay um useful or to stay productive right. and i mean they've shown us before with like their old their canceled MMO Titan that they're totally okay you know pulling the plug on something that isn't going to work out yeah and so i could totally imagine them you know if if hot's i i imagine that since hot's is still here it's it's doing a good job and yeah. they would easily pull the plug if if they needed to, or at the very least, you know, plan for it. And so they must have some sort of projections that say, right. you know, if we do this 2.0 update, like it's, it's going to be beneficial for us, at least in the, yeah, in the short term, short term long run. Yeah.
0: Like, otherwise but, why, why put out a 2.0? It's a good point.
2: Yeah. Well, and with
1: hots, like, first of all, like I always see it on like the top of Twitch, like whenever I do check out Twitch, like oh. it's typically there. Um, and even if that game is just kind of like a like cost like neutral, that still is like, it's you know it's like brand synergy. It's it's their yeah. like S- Smash Bros. Sure, it's like oh yeah, like you know if I play Warcraft and then I, but I, and I also play Heroes of the Storm or even like pay attention to it and then I see all these Overwatch characters. And I'm like, okay, I really like these characters. Like I might pick up Overwatch and see what that's about. Mm-hmm. You know, like like that is a huge part of it. I, I you have to feel like yeah, you know it's been a while since Starcraft came out and like. You know, if if I get deep into Hots and like I really like some of the StarCraft characters, I might be tempted to go pick up StarCraft, or, or even like the like they put out StarCraft One for free. It's like, oh yeah, I might dip back into that. Yeah, like yeah. I, like I feel like if even if they're like it's like a neutral on their part, like I feel like they do have to consider like, like a like Blizzard doesn't want to cede that space to um, Dota and Valve or. Yeah. Um, right, League of Legends like, like they don't want to completely just like back out of the MOBA space because there's a lot of money in that and yeah. you know like Heroes of the Dorm all, like happens every year and like there's you know big tournaments and there's money that goes around to, like through like the competitive scene <laughs> mm-hmm. of those games so like I yeah just, just Blizzard trying to be everywhere at once like I, I think that if even if that is just like they're not making money, but they're not losing money. Like that yeah. game's gonna be around, for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking of like games so, to play on Twitch, I w- I really want to try a player unknowns battlegrounds, but like I don't, I my PC will definitely not run it, or my laptop. I,
1: I, I yeah. have a hard time justifying thirty dollars on a, an unfinished game. Yeah, but like because it's, it's everyone's. Really
0: access. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone says it's it's a good version of an early access game, especially because it, this guy like has made these games before.
2: It, I don't think it would be fun if you bought it and played it alone. But if, if like we all played it together or yeah. you had a group of friends playing it, it, it would justify the thirty dollars pretty quickly.
0: Right. Yeah. And I don't know if we could reliably all play together with our current setups. But yeah, you, know, you two probably could.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I was just gonna say that Brian and I could play together. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um but yeah, um, but Mikey also doesn't like mouse and keyboard setups.
0: Um, That's a game I'm
1: sure I could play with a.
0: You'd be controller. at a. I think you'd be at a disadvantage.
1: I'd I'd be in a game like that where I feel like it's more about the survival, and it's it's not like a Call of Duty or a Counter Strike Go or an Overwatch yeah. even. Or I feel like it, that is a lot more about like planning and um, strategy than it is about um, that like super precise aiming. Yeah, maybe yeah. I don't know. So uh, it, it's something that like, I would probably try. Yeah. Um, and and you know I always, still make use to it, but
2: you could always buy it and then uh, refund it because that's true. Systems real yeah, good.
1: Yeah, I could do that.
2: Cool. Um. Yeah. We... Uh, so yeah. Walking Dead. You want to give us a quick rundown of Walking Dead?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I feel bad <laughs> sh- shitting all over it because like I don't know. Uh the Walking Dead, season three, episode four, Thicker Than Water, came out this week, um, kind of like to an unceremonious applause, <laughs> sort of like they released Guardians of the Galaxy last week or two weeks ago, and then they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, this one's out. Um, gosh, I don't know. So it's been five years exactly since season one of these games, um, which has got me and Grace sort of thinking about why we play them. And it's because we're trying to recapture that that magic, and everyone's already written about it. And I have like a draft sitting waiting to kind of get published. Um, but like, there was something really special about the first season of The Walking Dead that I think, because of the staff that was on it, it's got you know people that made Firewatch uh, wrote Walking Dead season one. Um, they had a really firm understanding of the of the type of game, and I, it was like it's still special. I think you could go back and play see, or season one and you'd still find something to, to enjoy mm-hmm. every walking dead season since then has sort of felt a little flat. And this episode in particular, man was like, so <sighs> it was bad. Like people, people would talk and then there'd be like really awkwardly long pauses and shifts in tone like, immediately, and, like, things would escalate. They'd, they'd be talking like we are now, and then the next sentence, they'd be yelling at each other as if, like, something triggered some sort of, like, uh, like fight, and we missed it. Um, huh. And then they're, you know, they do these things where, like, okay, uh, do you guys care if we we'll spoil a little bit
1: of this? No, uh, I, I don't.
0: Okay. Brian? No, Okay. No. If you if if you're listening and you kind of care about spoilers, like I'm, I'm gonna give away sort of nothing specific, but like something that happens anyway. They give you this thing where it's like, okay, you know, you're you're held captive, but we'll let you go. Um, but like, we're also gonna kill one of your teammates, and you get to choose who to save. It's just huh. one of those things, and like, okay, fine. Uh, so you choose who you want to save, and then of course the villain who we only met in the episode prior. Like we have no reason to believe that she's as bad as she is. She's just like a caricature of a villain. Um, She chooses to kill the person that you decided to save. And like it felt really cheap, felt unearned. And I felt like those sort of decisions can, can be like effective in a game like this, if you've been building up. But the people that we had to choose to save were also people that I didn't really care about. I don't think they've done a good job of making you care for any of these people. Um, And there are like really weird disconnects between character motivations. Like your character, gosh, I don't know. Like your, your brother in the game is a dick certifiably. Like he's the worst person, but like, and everyone knows that and you're being told this and you've seen firsthand that he's a bad person and there's a good way to like do the yeah my brother's a dick but i love him and i have to save him but there's like there's moments in the game where you the main character are just like doing things to deliberately go against your brother and then the game's like underlying plot or narrative wants you to save him it's so weird like you you keep there's so many disconnects and like and and it just like feels cheap and it keeps on like throwing curveballs at you just to like do the whole game of thrones thing where they they think it's good just to do shitty things. It's awful. Like I I don't know why we're playing this one anymore.
2: <sighs> yeah. yeah, that's really frustrating. I yeah. mean um that that uh pick one to save like the uh, story beat just sort of sounds like it's intentionally punishing and I can see how that like can be used narratively to, you know, influence your relationship with a different character. But mm-hmm. like you know, it, I could see someone who's very attached to a certain character. We feel like that's very cheap. And like, uh, I, that I, that sounds like it kind of comes out of that field in some ways.
0: Yeah, there there are tons of instances like that where. God, you're also traveling with this kid who is, you're, you're you're basically going with, your brother's son for whatever reason your brother's been separated from your family for a long time so you're traveling with his wife and his kids and his kid is just like him like the the, his father and he's making really brash decisions and he's acting like a whiny little punk and and then he'll turn around and like do something really cute and nice and you guys like talk about how cute he is that he's like trying to live a normal life in the midst of all this stuff he basically gets you stabbed and then five minutes later it expects you to think that he's like endearing because he's flirting with a girl like it's the most ridiculous like shit
2: carl from the the show i with guess carl the walk, from the walking dead and did they do that with
0: carl do they make him out to be like a little shit and then expect you to care Co- about him when he's flirting with a girl
2: constantly like the entire premise of the not this past season but the one before is he just is like f- starting bullshit with this kid in, in one of the in one of the or in the town that they eventually get to and then like like it just fucking goes down and he i think that's when spoiler because this was like a year and a half ago now that's when his he loses his eye yeah 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 he gets like shot in the eye um and it's just like you are like intentionally antagonizing this kid and his family and when you could just walk away yeah yeah but i guess you're a kid you know and they can lean on that because you're not 18 or whatever
0: i don't know like that that seems to be the underlying expectation is that like be, oh yeah these these are kids like they don't know what they're doing they're just trying to survive and then i i don't know though it it feels like
2: i mean there's a clear difference between like how kids are conveyed in like a, show, a i'd say a pretty great show like stranger things versus how kids are conveyed when like they just need someone to advance the plot out of sheer like ignorance and yeah like, Hot headedness.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really good way to put it because, like, the kids in Stranger Things, like, I like that show a lot. I know some people don't because it, like, leans heavily on the nostalgia thing or whatever. But, like, at least those kids are written like people and not necessarily children who are naive and making brash decisions just to move the plot forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you've, I think, feel like a lot of things have kind of done kids well. Like, like Stranger Things was done really well. Um, Oxen Free was done really well
0: uh moonrise um, kingdom i think is a good example of writing kids yeah. those are like oh yeah i yeah. mean it's it's, it's wes anderson as fuck but like it's i mean yeah those kids are characters they're not just kids
1: yeah no like it, yeah and it really is like you just need to treat them like yeah, like like actual like people and characters and mm-hmm. um I, there's something that's escaping me that like was very very well like like oh yeah like they're just kind of like talking like people and like it it doesn't feel in any way like condescending the way that they like wrote characters like it like yeah that's yeah that's how kids and people talk
0: yeah i i don't know it it's really really frustrating this episode the the first three before this felt fine but there were like every single dialogue line uh every single event Grace and I would just look at each other like really and we'd start making fun of it like we were we were trying to not be jaded about this whole experience but the entire time we were like Oh yeah, okay. Or like, dude, shut up. Like or <laughs> There's another thing these games have done that they've sort of implemented in the last couple games is like You know how uh they give you dialogue choices and they don't always necessarily say verbatim what's written in front of you. They'll they'll give you like an approximation of that or like something that conveys the same message. So like Yeah,
2: like in Mass Effect when they'd yes. be like, "Oh, like I'm leaving." And you're like, "Okay, I'm going to leave." And then you're like, and then he's like, I'm leaving. And then he like shoots someone in the face.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They've done this thing where you can totally get, or usually get the sense that like the left option is good. Middle option is like a uh, neutral. And then the right option is like kind of hostile. Um, But there was one, there are multiple instances where it's like, I was expecting him to say, all right, chill out, dude. And then he would say, Hey, you've got to freaking figure shit out, or something like that, right? Or like it would be totally atonal to what I was trying to say.
1: Yeah, that, that is my chief beef gripe with Telltale Games. My chief yeah. beef with Telltale is that, like, like sometimes it's like paraphrasing what you're going to say. And it's like, no, like I, I want you to say that. Like, yeah, like what you were presenting me with it does not translate to what you put out. Right. Um. Yeah. Like I, I always had that like. Like it's like oh like that's actually not how I wanted to play this out like yeah like yeah like it's hard to convey tone in those like three options without like totally color coding and uh, telegraphing what is gonna happen basically yeah yeah um and uh, the game thing I was thinking about was Night in the Woods like where oh, word
0: like,
1: like teenagers just talking like fucking teenagers like
0: or at least the way they would in an in an IRC channel or something
1: but yeah like just yeah, yeah like like the the parents talk like parents like. Right that you know the kids talk like like how we talk largely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know for better or worse
0: yeah uh so like we're gonna finish it right because we i mean we have to you guys have like, like one episode left one episode this, right? left after this and i really hope they just like hang the walking dead on and and, and be, be done with it Because oh, that,
1: that franchise has really... needed to be done for a while
0: just in general like i think the comics yeah. are probably still good i don't know about the show um but yeah, I, I I don't know if I can do this again. The only reason we're playing, and I I, I feel like I make up an excuse every single time because we do largely play every single one. We did not get the season pass for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, just we're holding off because we're kind of burned.
1: Yeah. Um, no, like, good. If, if anything <laughs> would have gotten me back into like deep into the Telltale games, it would have been Batman or Guardians of the Galaxy. And like I played the first Batman. I was like, yeah, that's that's neat. And it's then, fine. Yeah, Gar- Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy doesn't really.
0: I want them to. Like, like,
1: I, I don't like the. I like the style
0: of it. No. I want them to figure out their technical shit. I want them to slow down. <laughs> yeah. And I want them to stop feeling cheap. Because like the only reason yeah. we're playing Walking Dead Season 3 is because it's got a very central character from the first two seasons, and we want to see what happens to her. Um,
1: yeah, like like the the main character of the first two seasons, right? Clementine? Yes. Is yeah. that who you're referring to? Yeah, and she's yeah. not
0: the main character. She's a side character, and you still get to yeah. get insight. But even, like, she's not doing anything to piss me off but she's written in such a empty distant way that all of her dialogue Mm. she sort of just talks like this all the time and she's like very angry and sad and it it sounds like everyone's vo was recorded separately and that's just how it's done i get it and recorded months in advance and then they put a game around it and it feels like bad stage play i i hate it (laughs) i'm getting like really mad at these games
1: Uh, i'd like things (sighs) Like, I, lo- yeah, I would like to see them tackle another game franchise mm-hmm. um, like I didn't get into the Minecraft one just because I'm not into Minecraft and I I'm, don't think I am the audience for it mm-hmm. um, but like Tales from the Borderlands was amazing like give me like insight into a game universe that like outside of you know the confines of the main story right like, he just wants I'm, a Dark
0: Souls uh, Telltale <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so weird
1: <sighs> that, that'd be very weird
0: I don't think like, that it would be. It's not, you don't play Dark Souls for is it? for that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> you people. don't
2: play Borderlands for that. That's but, true. That's
0: a good point. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know. They got a new CEO, so let's we'll see how that goes for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we'll see if things change. I think that they really need to take a look at their practices because it's the other thing. Sorry, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but they um, they debuted season three. Uh, with two episodes at once which is i think the first time i've ever done that yeah so that, i remember that and that I came like, oh, out that's weird. in december i think a twofer um so then there was like a nearly three month wait for episode three and then we only had to wait like i think less than a month for episode four it's so inconsistent and i that's crazy it's just so weird and like i would have waited another three months if i thought that episode four was going to be good but like this feels like it was made in a month, you know?
1: God, it, it's been five years since Walking Dead season one came out.
0: Yeah, I said that at the beginning this of this.
1: It's oh, <laughs> I, I was looking up something.
0: Yeah, no, it's all good. But like that but it just goes to show it's not necessarily that it's like fallen far. It's I don't know, man. It's
2: hasn't innovated.
0: mm It's actually stripped away a lot of the like gaminess of it, which we've talked about on this show, like you know, with our adventure games or these sort of quieter games, when they be, try to force too much of the the game part uh, on you, it's not fun or it's not like enjoyable. Sort of like when all the little puzzles in, um, what's that world war two game that we talked about? Valiant hearts.
1: Yeah. World war one.
0: Uh, yeah. World war one. Um, yeah, it's, this is just pure narrative basically. And there's very little interaction. And when the narrative is not good, um, it makes it like a very, it's like a chore to play.
1: Yeah, totally. I forgot that Telltale made a uh, Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people.
0: Dude, I didn't know they did that.
1: Yeah, like yeah, I, that—that was one of my favorite Wii games. It's a point-and-click adventure set in the Homestar Runner universe. Hmm. And it, it was v- super fucking good, and also it was like if you grew up around that web series, um, like actually being able to walk around like that town yeah and like you can go to um gosh i forgot the name of the shopkeeper but you can like go to his shop and you can go to the Poopsmith's, Poopsmith. um oh it's coach <laughs> c at the shop you can go yeah and then you can go to the Poopsmith, smith big, big poop pile where he's just shoveling poop all day sounds really random the, the track yeah, love, it, it is like I, it's
0: i love that random humor
1: <laughs> yeah well and, and this, this was like the early aughts yeah like pre-youtube Internet. Capital G, good Humor.
2: capital S shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um before it before I like just leave us after shitting all over a Telltale game, I want to give you guys a recommendation for a good version of what these Telltale games could be, in my opinion. Something that takes like something that they built and makes it better. And I think Life is Strange for all of its faults. Yep. Takes Life is strange is great. Takes that structure of like walking around talking to people, making dialogue choices and does something really really unique um, and that one did also there are a couple episodes of that game that I thought were a little too long and some weird dialogue things and writing and character motivations whatever that game was really cool really special um, I would check and that it out and
1: it didn't it didn't need to piggyback on like a licensed franchise either like it's just yeah work. like, like if very
0: if Telltale work. could just like make a cool adventure game using totally original stuff take their time with it release it episodically Dude, I'd be all over it. But
1: When's the last time that they did that?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. At, at least like seven years. I, I don't think they've ever done it. I guess Walking Dead would have yeah. been that, but it's not really the same.
1: Yeah, no, because like, even then, like the first episode's like, Glenn's here. Yeah. Like, the characters from but the show were here.
0: But before that, their the first, their couple games before Walking Dead, I think were, well, they did a lot. Back to the Future? Back to the Future, the, and then Back to future, Park. Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> um, I
1: mean, like strong bad, cool game for Trakt people. That's another.
0: But it's guy. all been licensed. They did a lot of Sam and Max stuff.
1: Yeah, they did a Law and Order game. Did a CSI, a few CSI games.
0: Yeah. So.
2: To be um, honest, they just need a new engine too.
0: Seriously, and Batman was the first like thing that looked really good. But and I thought just by looking at it, um, maybe things had changed. But it's uh.
1: Yeah, that that was the first one that they put out on a uh, on
0: modern on, consoles. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Should we wrap up the Wolf up? Among Us and future. Tales from the
1: Borderlands were great, though. Like I those, agree, those two. If If I were to point any anybody to go play any of their games, that be the Wolf Among Us, Tales from the Borderlands, and probably season one of The Walking Dead.
0: hmm I agree.
1: Like those, those were all fantastic. Yeah, but they don't have the same charm anymore in my eyes.
0: No, uh, I agree, and I have a feeling my relationship with Telltale will be. a uh, Uh, ever-present aspect of this show (laughs) Um, yeah so we'll we'll, i'm sure we'll talk more about that soon but uh should we wrap it up yeah that's good thank you all for listening to fans of the genre uh send emails to info at infinite com. we'd love to read your questions on air and spark some good discussion um if you like what we're doing with fans of the genre please rate us on apple podcasts it helps others discover the show takes just a few minutes and it really helps us out you can follow us on Twitter at fans of genre and at infinite underscore dogs, or on Facebook at fb.me/fansofthegenre or fb.me/infinitedogs420. Thank you to John Bash for composing original music for us. Find more at johnbash.com. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet?
2: You can find me at Brian T. Swanson on Twitter.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you can
2: also email me at Brian S. at infinitedogs.com.
0: Hell yeah. Um, uh, mikey? i'm
2: at mikey krieger or mikey k
1: at infinite Dogs.com.
0: you can find me at rhodes clark or at rhodes c at infinite Dogs.com. please send us emails we seriously like this show could be so much more just more if we had emails and discussion from from our fans so do it um do it thank you for listening uh, i just want to sh- oh yeah
2: shout out uh, to pig squad for the awesome event yes. yeah we're really excited to see the portland indie game community and Hopefully we can, uh, you know, at some point make it down there again or um, see y'all at PAX or something.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got a couple of, like, guests in the pipeline. We don't have firm dates for anything yet, but keep on the lookout for that. Um, Yeah. Really excited to keep the show, keep on expanding and making new friends. So anyway, yeah, yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, We're going to shut up now. Have a great week. Bye.
2: Bye. See ya. Talk a lot about shitting.